0: اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد طبر قلوبي ودواؤها وعافيه رباني وشفائها ونور الابصار وضيائها وقطر ارواحي وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله I wanted to continue on the subject that we had looked at last week, which was the Qur'anic variants. But I decided it actually needs a more expansive exposition. So I, inshallah, plan on doing something in Ramadan in a few months. It's hard to believe that we're already in Rabi' al-akhir. So what I thought uh, that I would do is look perhaps at the opposite of the Qur'an, which is the devil's discourse and the devil's talk. And I think one of the hallmarks of demonic talk is what the Prophet in the Qur'an terms riba, which is backbiting. And one of the most uh, tragic aspects of a lot of modern Muslims, I think, especially given YouTube, because now people have a platform where they can just go on and talk ill of other people and not think that there's any repercussions in doing that. And it really surprised me because people send me these clips and these things uh, and ask me my opinion. And most of it I actually am not interested in looking at, but every once in a while I think there's something important uh, that needs to uh, be addressed, which is why, that was one of the reasons why I spoke about what I did last week. It was actually the result of listening to something that troubled me. But I think a lot of people don't think about, first of all, what, what it takes to actually have an opinion about something. It's, it's very difficult to have an opinion about really anything that's educated. So I'll give you an example. The Yemeni War, for instance or Palestine. These are huge problems, but how many people actually take the time to really read, to understand, to educate themselves about the depths of these problems and, and also solutions because it's undeniable that the Palestinians have suffered for many, many decades now and arguably prior to that because of the the tyranny that most of the Muslim world had uh, fallen under, but how many people actually really take the time to understand what happened, how it happened, and where we are now. I don't think there's a lot of people. I think it's very superficial for most people. The same is true like for the war in Yemen. When, when the war broke out, I got I think three books on it and one of them was called Dancing on the Heads of Snakes a very interesting book, written by a former president of Yemen. Another one was by an expert on Yemen from England, uh, the, uh, the Crises of Yemen. And a third book also was about all of the, the historical um, problems that led to uh, the current crises. And what I got out of doing that exercise was how extraordinarily complicated Uh, what's happening in Yemen is, and how deeply entrenched the problems are, and that the solutions to these problems are not simple solutions. It would be wonderful if everybody could just lay down their arms and live happily ever after, but that's just not the nature of the world. And my point is not about any specific place, although those two places a lot of Muslims have opinions about that I don't really fully believe that they're entitled to having opinions about because they haven't done the work. I mean, I think all of us can agree that uh, the Palestinians have been egregiously wronged. I don't think any, anybody who really examines the situation would come to another conclusion. But trying to understand uh, the problems and how we get out of these problems is a completely different uh, problem. So in any case, One of the, I think, attitudes that a lot of people have is that they can simply just glibly, which is a very interesting word, but they can glibly uh, make statements about people without really having examined the situation. And I think the Qur'an, it certainly warns us about this. And I saw somebody sent me a clip and it was, two people discussing another person who's a who's a datya and I think that person has a lot of uh, problems in in his um, in his views or opinions on some things but in other things he's very good and I think what troubled me about what was sent to me was that there was a kind of mockery uh, and these people I think thought they were doing something really good by pointing out, the errors in this other person's uh, discourse and I think part of the problem is anybody today who's speaking, especially if somebody who speaks long enough and has enough material out there, you're going to find problems. The only, the only one that is ma'sum is the Prophet Everybody else has uh, mistakes, they have their good deeds and their bad deeds, Mahasin and masawi. And so, if you go searching for flaws, you're going to find them inevitably. But you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this? What do I want to get out of it? And I personally think one of the most terrifying verses in the Quran, in terms of the worldly matters, is when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya yohalladina amanu layas khar komun min komun asa and yakunu khayram minhum. Ware nisa um minisa in asa and yakunna khayram minhun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Let not one people, and it's it's well known that when you have a nekirah, which is kom here, it's a indefinite. Before a negation, uh, it means a umum, it's a general. So let not any people mock any other people. Perhaps they're better than they are. And let not any women mock any other women that perhaps they're better than they are. That's any, that's, that's understood to be any people, like making fun of Christians, making fun of Hindus, making fun of Buddhists. And that is a profound cause for pause because it's saying that maybe they're better than you, maybe they're not mocking. And the one verse that about the mockers in the Qur'an, كَفَيْنَكَ We will take care of the mockers. The Prophet did not have to concern himself with those people that were mocking him, and they were. Each one of them had a terrible end, every single one of them. The critics of the Prophet, and there were many, the vast majority of them actually became Muslim, but they didn't mock him. Abu Sufyan never mocked the Prophet and ended up becoming a Muslim. And he became a Muslim and when he came to the Prophet sallam, and our Prophet was so beautiful in his character, sallallahu alayhi wa I mean the most beautiful human being in character. But when Abu Sufyan came, the Prophet was seeing different people from Quraysh in Mecca once he'd conquered Mecca. And Abu Sufyan came and the Prophet وسلم, the Arabs had something called a Hajib, which is somebody who will um, hold people at the door and until their time comes to come in. And the Prophet did not enter Abu Sufyan in immediately. He he kept him waiting, which is very interesting. I've thought about that, and I I wonder if it was almost as if the Prophet might have been gathering his own. um, He was about to confront a man who'd fought him for 20 years, and his wife had literally bitten into the liver of his of his beloved uncle. And I just wonder, because the Prophet, even though he is the best of creation, he's a human being that has human emotion. He, he grieved, he, he wept, he experienced these things. I don't know when we could only conjecture about that, but I, I just wonder. Um, but there might be another reason too, which is uh, to humble uh, Abu Sufyan. I mean, there might be several reasons. In any case, the Prophet did that. And then when Abu Sufyan finally came in, he said to the Prophet, I thought that you would let everybody in between these two valleys before you'd let me in. And the Prophet looked at him and said, If you come in, it's like the Arabs say, saydan Fi Jof al fara And this is a beautiful expression of the Arabs that the, the farah is a, a wild ass and the Arabs used to hunt it. They, they, they had a scarcity of food, so they actually go and hunt uh, the wild ass. But a man went out with two of his companions to hunt and the first one got a rabbit and the second one got a gazelle and the third one got this wild ass. So the first two, the one who got the rabbit and the one who got the gazelle, they laughed at their uh, friend and mocked the fact that he just gotten a wild ass because that was not a delicacy for the Arabs, whereas they liked rabbit and they liked gazelle. And so this man, make, taking lemons and making it into lemonade, looked at them and said, all of your what you've hunted, your rabbit and your... it, it could fit into the stomach of my, my farah. And that's why he said, fi All of your hunt is in the stomach of my farah. In other words, mine's much bigger than yours, and so it's a better, uh, it's a better prize. It's used as a metaphor for if, if you get something, everything comes with it. And so, what the Prophet said was really saying to Abu Sufyan is that, with you, everything comes with it. So when you come in, all of Quraish comes in, all of Mecca comes in. And so he was honoring him and basically also saying that that if you have to wait, this is how some of the ulama interpreted it, if you have to wait, none of the Quraysh after you are going to complain about waiting. So it was actually strategically also a very brilliant thing to do because the Prophet ﷺ obviously was busy with people and some arrogant people might think, why is he making me wait? But if they say, oh, Abu Sufyan had to wait, then everybody will feel uh, less, they, they wouldn't feel slighted. So in that way, he was honoring Abu Sufyan, but also making a really beautiful point. So this is the wisdom of our Prophet uh, In any case, um, this, this problem of, of, of mocking Abu Sufyan, Abu Sufyan despite his, animosity for two decades of the Prophet Salah, he sent mission, he never mocked him. And I think that's really important to remember. So this idea of mocking people and making fun of people and, and emojis and putting up silly cartoons and putting their heads on cartoons, all of these things are not only very distant from our tradition, but they actually indicate, I think, a spiritual sickness in the hearts of the people. And so Allah's warning us in there. And then, وَلَا bil alqab, You know, don't, don't throw names at one another. Don't attack one another with names. There's people that actually take beautiful names and they make them into horrible names, making fun of people, mocking people. Uh, this is very common. It's also very immature. It's something really you do in the schoolyard when you're eight or nine years old to somebody else on the schoolyard. Um, but it's not something mature people do. And I think a lot of people forget that we're, we're khulafa, we're caliphates, we're stewards. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa raqad karamna bani Adam. We have ennobled the children of Adam. And so then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says, la you don't let some of you uh, speak ill of others when they're not there in other words backbite does one of you want to eat the dead flesh of your brother uh, it's as if you're 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 cannibalizing your brother and so that's something Again, I mean, these verses are very, very terrifying verses for anybody that takes them seriously. Um, And one of the things that Imam uh, Al-Mawardi, in in his extraordinary work, he wrote a book called Adab al-Din dunya He was a great chef, a scholar, um, who died in 450 of the Hijrah. He wrote a book called the The Adab, The Comportment, The Decorum, The Courtesies of Both Religion and, and Worldly Matters. And in that book he 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 uh, he talks about um, about this problem. And so when he says, he says uh, just as carrion is de- is haram for you, so is the backbiting of a living person. So it's it's literally like eating dead flesh, but dead flesh of your brother. And uh, he mentions the famous story. It's a weak hadith, but but it's it's a very very uh, troubling story about the two women that fasted and and. Uh, they began to just backbite against people and the Prophet was told about that. In one riwayah they actually vomited up flesh and blood, which is is very weak. In 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 the stronger riwayah it says that they the Prophet said they fasted on on what God has permitted for them, but they broke it on what He prohibited to them. So food and drink were permitted. And this was a nafila, extra fast. But what was prohibited was the backbiting. And so also the Prophet ﷺ said, من <laughs> لحم So this hadith, which Ibn al-Mubarak relates in Zuhud and Imam al-Bayhaqi, this hadith is a very interesting hadith because it basically says if if somebody is speaking ill of your brother and you defend them when they're not there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will prohibit the fire from ever touching your, your flesh in the afterlife. So so not only not engaging in the ghibah when you hear it, but actually defending the person because they're not there to defend themselves, which is why ghibah is so ter- terrible because the person is not there. And uh, some of them also talk about um, that there's a lot of uh, in, in a riwayat and nisa, but you know, these are kind of misogynistic traditions that get into our, um, our tradition that probably are better not. Um, better not taught but in any case uh, the idea is it's it's something that a lot of uh, people who think they're devotional um, they they begin to um, it's it's like the fruit of of, uh, backbiting becomes like a fruit it's something that they uh they they do as a as a um you know, fruit is something that not everybody had access to. So, uh, And then uh, a man once sent to Ibn Sirin, because you're supposed to go to a person and tell them if you uh, speak ill of them. And he said, Inni akhtabtuka, you know, I, I spoke ill of you. So, in other words, make it halal for me by forgiving me. You know, But literally it means, put me in a halal situation. And so he said, ma, ma uhibuan, ma haram I don't want to make halal for you, what Allah prohibited for you. So, uh, and then also, um, Ibn al-Samak, one of the big Zuhad, said, غَيْبِكَ Don't help people to speak ill of you by doing bad things. In other words, guard your honor, what the Arabs call ma'al the water of your face. You know, we talk about saving face. The Arabs talk about saving the water of the face because water is life. And so uh, saving face is very important. And then uh, also the, um, just the, the bad character of people who backbite. Because anybody who backbites to you will generally backbite about you. And that's something, it's almost a given. So if you hear somebody speaking ill, you can assume that they're probably saying things about you that they don't like. In fact, one of the sadaf, a man came to him and said, Oh, did you hear so-and-so said such-and-such about you? And he just looked at him and he said, Didn't shaitan find anybody but you to bring this news to me? In other words, it's just not really something that you should... Uh, be listening to, and and that's what na- namima. And the Arabs have a lot of words for namima. Namima is actually people who spread rumors or lies or go and backbite in order to actually sow dissension between people. And this is one of the worst things. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Al jannah You know, the, the one who does that, the namam, will not enter paradise. And some of them say it said they certainly won't be in those who get in there first. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't get in ever, but the point is, is it's it's a really bad thing to do. And so this idea of mockery, though, is something which even it just adds not only insult to injury, but it just adds a poisonous element to an already existing poison. I mean, radioactive. Really, the mockery. So um, people then say, "Oh well, there's no riba in the fasiq," and, and and there is a qaida that they do mention that in the books of la riba fi fasiq. You know, there's no backbiting about a bad person. Part of the problem with that is one man's fasiq is another man's saleh. Uh, you know, so in other words, uh, there there are people who think that anybody who has any association with Sufism is a fasiq, even though some of the greatest Muslims in the history of Islam uh, had very strong associations with tasawuf. Um And I am... I, 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 there's a lot of things about modern Sufism that really bother me, and I've spoken about this, and, and there's talks that I've given uh, on this subject. I've taught a book um, uh, five times uh, that's a book that has a whole section about the, all the deviations of the Sufis and uh, and certainly Talbisu Iblis is a really important book, Ibn al uh who wrote about a lot of these problems also. So it's not like when we say Sufism, it doesn't mean everything. Just there's people that just lump everything into that category. There are many deviant Sufis, just as there are many deviant other types of Muslims. Uh, so Sufism is not uh, free of, of those who uh, wrongly practice it or falsely practice it. But the idea that tasawwuf is not one of the traditional subjects of Muslims, that, that's just anybody that could say that has no and I really mean this, has absolutely no acquaintance with the Islamic tradition and is essentially removing the vast majority of our scholars that have transmitted this religion to us from the rightly guided Muslims. And I'll give you one example. Uh, Imam al-Jazari, who's probably the single most important uh, master of the qiraat, of the um, later period of Islam, I mean, he was 14th century. But he's so important and so fundamental. And his book, for instance, the Durrah, is essentially the book that anybody who masters the ten Qiraat, they, they learn the shatabi and then they learn the Durrah, and also the Jaziriya, which is one of the probably the most studied uh, of the beginner texts in Tajweed. He's, he's so important and so fundamental. And most of the asanid of the Qur'an, many of the asanid of the Qur'an go through him. So you will find in the asanid of the, of, the, of the Qur'an itself. So anybody who memorized the Qur'an through Isnad very often will have Imam al Jazari in the Senate. He himself was somebody associated with Tasawwuf. He was a Qadiri person. He said he took the khirqa of his sheikh in, 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 in the Qadiri tradition. So this idea that, oh, these people have nothing to do with Ahl-Sunnah wal Jama'ah. I'm sorry, it's just, you're wrong. And it's as simple as that. And, but anyway, my point was, is that they'll say, oh, they're Fasiq, because they, they're associated some way with Sufism. Or they'll say, oh, they're Wahhabi or Salafi, so they're Fasiq. They might be a very upright, righteous, athari person. Because the, you know, the people that, um, uh, that, that, there are many, many very good people, and I knew many of them when I was living in Arabia, when I lived in uh, Medina. Uh, I spent a lot of time with uh, the teachers at uh, the um, Medina University, and, and, and two of them I consider my teachers. One of them, Sheikh Mohammed Al Mukhtar, who recently passed away, Allah Yarrahamahu. He was a beautiful man, but he considered himself a Salafi, and had beautiful akhlaq. and I would certainly not consider him a fasiq. You know, so people have to be very careful with throwing what la and la bil alqab. Don't you know? Oh, he's Salafi, he's Sufi, he's Wahhabi, he's this, he's that. We have to be very careful, especially now when we see real deviance. I mean, we see real departure from our faith. Uh, where people are now uh, talking about things that, and accepting things that are malum in adim daruratan. They are known by every Muslim to be haram. And there are people now uh, arguing that there's nothing wrong with these things. I mean, this is a real problem. So it's one of the things that will just turn people away from the religion when they see oh, all the Muslims do is fight and and uh, attack one another. So so you have to be very careful about that. And just in conclusion about that, you know, that there's no riba in a fasiq. Um, some of the scholars have said, and this is mentioned again in many books on Akhlaq and in the uh, commentaries of Ibn Ashur, they have it in the section on um, in the last section on Akhlaq that Ibn Ashur has in his in his Orushuzah, his uh, didactic poem, so they 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 give these lines تجنب غيبة إلا حروف ببيت جاء عن بعض الأكابر تظلم mustafti مستفي حذر وعرف بدعة فسق المجاهر. So they they say avoid riba except for uh, certain. Uh, Haruf here can mean, haruf means different things. It can mean a letter, it can mean a jiha, it can mean a tarf, you know, like the side of something. It can mean harf. And then it can also mean um, just ma'na itself. Uh, so he's saying, except for these different aspects or types, it's come in a line of poetry from some of the great scholars. was so, it has to do with like somebody who is is oppressing you, uh, then you can obviously uh, speak about what they're doing to you. وستغث, calling for help from somebody. There's a thief trying to steal help. wastafti also asking for a fatwa, the famous fatwa of one of the sahabiyat who asked about her husband. And... and uh, wasn't giving him enough money, her enough money, and she said that he was شحيحun, like he, he was miserly. So that's in a fatwa. It's, it's not ghibah that she's trying to explain something to, in this case it was the Prophet ﷺ. And then hadhr, you know, to warn somebody about somebody. Uh, if somebody's going to into business with somebody, you can say, no, don't. I, I did business with that person and you cannot trust him. Um, and then and this is the problem. What, because you have to the bid'ah that you have to make known is what's called mujma'ali. It's something that everybody agrees on. So there are things that some people consider bid'ah, and other people don't. And I'm ta- I'm not talking about common people. I'm actually talking about the ulama, the, the scholars of Islam. So for instance there are people that believe and and this is the majority of Muslims and the majority of scholars that you can read the Quran and give the thawab to dead people and they say oh you, you can't do that because the, the Prophet said if, if the son of Adam dies his actions are cut off except for three well there are hadiths that the Prophet said that people could make hajj for somebody who had died or somebody who couldn't make the hajj or the umrah, etc., etc. And so, like Ibn Rushd, who's one of the greatest fuqaha in the history of Islam, he wrote Bidayat and Mustahid, he said, this is a difference of opinion about the mercy of God, and so don't limit His mercies. In other words, he thought that... The reward would get to the people. That's a difference of opinion. So if somebody's doing that, you can, oh, he's a mubtada', he's this is bid'ah. And that's not, and there are many examples of this, of, of things that are mukhtalaf because la yunkaru illa al That you cannot, you can, you can advise people about iqtiraf, especially if it's an iqtiraf that's important. Mura'at al khilaf is something that's part of our religion. Um, is that when there's a khilaf about things you know sometimes it's good to avoid those things uh, so there are madhabs that accept something and there's other madhabs that don't and then also uh fisq al-mujahir the the fasiq al-mujahir somebody who is openly doing wrong things that person can be condemned if they're openly doing wrong things, if somebody is openly supporting uh, something that is haram in our religion. And there are many, unfortunately, Muslims doing that today. But then you have to ask yourself, what is the benefit of this? Like, what is this really something that is worth my time, worth my effort? Is, is there going to be benefit from it? And that's where I just want to look at one, to me, really fascinating, aspect of one of the greatest imams in the history of islam which is imam al-bukhari and imam al-bukhari from the time he was very very young you know he his mother was obviously a profoundly pious lady and and she saw a miracle with her son in, in his early period and then he had this phenomenal memory from early on, and then he loved hadith. He just, that's what he loved. And so he became the greatest muhaddith in really the history of Islam. And and Imam al-Bukhari is so honored. But one of his secrets, and I really believe this, he said, I hope to meet God having never spoken ill of any human being which is stunning because his entire intellectual output was in assessing the validity of the transmitters of prophetic tradition. That's what he did. It's called the ilm al It's the science of vetting the, the uprightness or the the faults or blemishes of people so that's what he would have to do he would have to say this person's trustworthy this person's not but how did he do it if you read imam al-bukhari and i've seen this in so many books there are uh, uh, there are muhaddithun and others who will say something like hadha rajul kذاب he's a big liar or hadha rajul waddah he's a fabricator of hadith they'll use very harsh terms imam bukhari all of uh, those who have studied him have noted this about him that whenever he mentions things he'll say things like anhu. they didn't they were silent about him or fi there's something here to think about about this man, or Tarakuhu, they left him, meaning the other muhaddithun, or he would say something uh, when when uh, he would rarely ever say anything strong, but he would say things like kathabuhu fulan, so and so said he that he wasn't truthful, or Ramahu fulan, or so and so denounced him. Uh, and, and, and he would very often recite this line of poetry to his uh, companions, his students, and his friends. And he was known to say it m- on it many occasions. And it really expresses the very spirit of this man. Uh, and this is something uh, al Hakim relates, uh, who, who was one of his students. He said... And al Bukhari. Have beautiful character. Have a vast character with people. And don't be like a growling a dog who growls at the people. Don't be like a dog who growls at the people. And just for the people of Loga, Harra is, uh, is also to purr. So the herra is a cat, but it's also used for a dog. So if it's used for a dog, it means to growl. Uh, they say usata like to, to, to vocalize less than a bark. So it's like, like a growl. And some say it's a bark. So there's a little bit of a difference of opinion amongst the uh, people of loga, of the, the uh, lexicologists. In any case, harra uh, yihirru hariran is the and that's very often fahi fahi fahu fahihan those that's one of the patterns of sounds that animals make uh, and uh, like hadil this is a fail pattern but uh, anyway harra and then the 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 the, uh, the, the cat is called hir uh, and and the female cat is called harra which is why the prophet once saw a kitten, on inside the the sleeve of Abu Huraira, and he called him Abu Huraira, the the possessor here. I mean, it literally means father, but in this case, it usually means possessor, uh, the the possessor of the kitten. So that was an, a a nickname that he gave Abu Huraira, and, and he's known by it. I mean, who would not want to be known by a nickname that the best of creation gave you? So that's just some thought mess, text message, sacred text message for today. And, and um, so I, I was actually wanted to do something more extensive, but was really, really feeling exhausted. So uh, I hope, inshallah, to keep this going. I've gotten so much, um, you know, feedback from people just saying that they really appreciate the podcast and I'm very appreciative of the time that you give them um, and I hope they're beneficial and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us people of pure tongues and make us of uh, amongst the righteous and may He inshallah purify our tongues from anything that's, uh, that distances us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inshallah and alhamdulillah so this is what we should do just knowing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is is always there uh, and watching us and ever present and uh, the angels are aware of everything that Leaves our mouths and then records them. So, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, inshallah, it's always good to remember. Allahumma bihamdika shadu an la ilaha illa Anta wa tubu ilayk. That's called the you know the dua for the end of a majlis because if you're in a gathering and you say that, the angels will erase. Inshallah, whatever. You said in that majlis, so it's something we should try to remember when we finish having a conversation or something, just to say that. That's a very uh, blessed gift of our teaching. Alhamdulillah. as alaykum wa